All right, it is such a blessing to have y'all. I want to thank the youth to begin with. Thank you for being willing to lead us this morning, uh, to be able to share uh, the gospel through music and through service. And the youth sponsors as well, thank you so much for your leadership. Um, I believe today that we are in really good hands as a church. Uh, Children, I'm supposed to dismiss y'all, sorry. Uh, You see Miss Amy standing in the back. And I appreciate them being willing to uh, be a part of our service this morning. This morning, uh, uh, actually, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving a little bit, and uh, it's going to be fun, I I think, anyways. I heard a guy who was uh, speaking recently, and he asked this question. He said, what is the thing that your parents or your grandparents used to say all the time? The thing that they said it wrong but you still knew exactly what they meant. My guess is that all of us, somewhere along the way, we have heard those things. He went on to say that his dad's phrase was, I'm so proud of you. He shared that it always came out as, you're such a disappointment, but he knew what his dad meant. Obviously, I'm joking, I assume that he was as well. But I do wonder if you've ever tried to say something and it just didn't come out right. Do you remember the old Happy Days sitcom where Fonzie would struggle to say I'm, he couldn't say I'm sorry or I'm wrong. My guess is that there are others, maybe even in this room, who have struggled to say those things. Others struggle to say I forgive you partially because we're not ready to let go of the pain of the past. Or maybe there's a fear that such pain might repeat itself if we open up that door. Or perhaps the struggle is in saying, I love you. Maybe because you never heard it when you were growing up, and those words make you a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe there are even those who feel like they just can't say anything right. We all already know that it's that time of year where we are supposed to say thanks. Last week, we focused on the things that we ought to be thankful for, and I believe that the general consensus is that we have much to be thankful for. This week, I want us to talk about the best way to express our thanksgiving, to be able to say thank you in a way that the message is properly received. The first thing that I want you to see today is that it is usually not as hard as we think it is. In other words, it shouldn't be that hard to say thank you. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 17, we see a story of God's healing, and I want you to look at it with me briefly this morning. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, and I will tell you that my first point is connected to this passage. We're going to move around just a little bit in the gospel of Luke later in the the service, but Luke 17, verses 11 through 19, we see one individual who gave thanks. Listen to the encounter. Again, Luke 17 Verse 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, 
have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way, for your faith has made you well. Now, before I get too much into the thankfulness issue that is in this passage, I do want to highlight something interesting that I picked up on this week, and I've never really noticed it before. We're told that Jesus is passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Now, it should be noted that Samaritans who live in Samaria, Samaritans generally had nothing to do with Jews who would have lived in Galilee and the other areas in that region. By the way, the Jews didn't have anything to do with the Samaritans either. So the fact that these two towns were nearby to one another meant nothing positive. If anything, it would be kind of like having USC fans living next door to Clemson fans, but it wasn't just when football's on on Saturday, these people had nothing to do with each other. It was all the time. But it seems that among those with leprosy, it didn't matter where you came from. We know that the one who comes back to Jesus to say thanks is a Samaritan. And it is implied, therefore, that the other nine were not Samaritans, that they were likely Jews. Based on the way that Jesus speaks of them, at least that's what I would assume. Within this passage, I find it very true that our differences become irrelevant while we are in our suffering. We find common ground in hardship. In a time where the media and our culture seeks to divide us by race, and other issues, I want you to know that we have much in common with our brothers and sisters. The reality is the world around us is no different than the world in this place. We all need Jesus. We have common ground. I'm going to tell you where our common ground is. Without Jesus Christ, all of us are destined for hell. But with Jesus Christ, we have the promise of eternal life. Therefore, I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care the, the experience. Okay, I do care about your experiences, excuse me. But here's the thing. Even if you haven't had the best experiences or maybe you've lived a life where everything seemed easy, it doesn't matter. Your eternal destination is the same. Without Jesus, it's hell. With Jesus, it's heaven. We have common ground with those around us. That has nothing to do with the message today, but I just thought I'd share it because it's something I saw and I thought someone else probably needed to hear. I've heard many pastors reason as to why only one of the 10 chose to come back and say thank you. Some suggest that it may be due to their excitement or maybe an eagerness to go and show their families. I've heard everything from busyness to arrogance to just bad timing. And honestly, the only response I can give to all of those reasons is, 
blah, blah, blah. The point is that it would seem that they weren't too busy to go ask Jesus for help. They weren't too prideful and arrogant to go ask Jesus for help. And they weren't concerned about bad timing prior to their healing. I heard one pastor suggest that maybe they just weren't ready because they just wanted to find the right way to adequately say thank you. Maybe they wanted to find Jesus a nice gift to express their appreciation. Well, I don't know what the reason is for the other nine not showing back up, but I know that when the one did show up, that his thank you was more than adequate. In fact, it stood out just because of the fact that he was the only one who had done it. Sometimes we make things more difficult than it needs to be. Simply saying thank you goes a long way. Whether you are saying thank you to God or to your brothers and sisters around you, the place to begin is simplicity. We need to say thank you. My guess is that everyone in here has done something nice for someone else somewhere along the way. And although you did not do it just for the sake of hearing the words, thank you, the truth is you do appreciate it when others say it. I imagine that God does too. You know, he hasn't been good to you just so you would say thank you. The real reason he's been good to you is simply because he loves you. And he wants you to be blessed. He wants to provide for you. He's not sitting around saying, they didn't even say thank you. The reality is he gave to you, he blessed you because he loves you. We don't, we don't do things just so people can say thank you, and God doesn't either, but it sure feels good when people do say thank you. Now, the second thing I want you to see today about giving thanks comes from Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 39. When you say thanks, it should cost you something. In this particular passage, it tells the story of a woman who gave thanks. And it should be noted that this was not the most respectable of women. Although the Gospel of John suggests that it may have actually been Mary, the sister of Martha. Others have suggested that it may have been a woman similar to the one who had been caught in adultery. But listen to what it says, Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 39. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So Jesus has been invited to dinner at a wealthy Bible scholar's home. And I imagine that it was 
quite the occasion. Others hear about it. It's likely that as, as Jesus came, he probably brought somewhat of an entourage of guests. It probably included his disciples, along with a crowd of onlookers. In fact, it was common for an individual to open his home to a celebrity-type figure, knowing that others were likely to come and watch. Certainly, this was more than a quiet, intimate dinner with a Pharisee and a lone guest. Well, word apparently spread pretty quickly that Jesus had come for a meal, and suddenly the meal is interrupted by an uninvited guest. I told you it was common to have guests that would show up just to watch the meal, but I referred to her as uninvited because she is one of those who would have been unwanted at that meal, and that is because of her sinful status. There's no record of her ever speaking at this meal. There's no record of her identifying herself or asking for Jesus' attention. Instead, it simply says that she was a woman of the city, a sinner. It is assumed by many that this means she is a prostitute. Now, it's likely that she didn't know what to expect when she arrived. Would she be kicked out? Would she be humiliated, perhaps because of her lifestyle? Would Jesus even have time for her? With all of that uncertainty, I want you to see that she does not come empty-handed. We're told that she brought an alabaster flask of ointment or oil. This was more than a casual thank you. This was her giving personally of her own resources to express her love and appreciation to Jesus. And by the way, this was not a cheap thing. So much so that in one of the other gospels, it tells us that Judas complains because of what she does. Because the idea is that we could have taken that money, we could have taken that oil and sold it and then used that money. How many people could we have fed? The point is, this was not some cheap sacrifice. But rather, this lady gave of herself and all that she had simply to say thank you. And who knows what Jesus had done specifically to meet needs in her life on that occasion. Perhaps this was the woman who had been caught in adultery. Imagine you were the woman who had been caught in adultery and Jesus had restored your life and given you hope and you've heard that Jesus is there and you now have the opportunity to say thank you. Is it too much to ask for just a little bit of oil to go and wipe on his feet? Probably not. You had nothing. You were about to die. You were humiliated and Jesus restored you to a position where basically you could be a normal person. Or perhaps it wasn't that she had been the woman caught in adultery. Maybe Jesus had healed someone in her family. Imagine her son was sick and Jesus reached down and touched him. And her son is alive and healthy and whole. Do you think that that alabaster flask of oil would be too expensive 
to give to Jesus in response. Perhaps she simply saw Jesus' compassion and grace. And she longed to express her appreciation knowing that, I mean, we don't see this all the time. She was a woman of the city. She was a sinner. She was looked down on and probably hated by many of the people she came across every day. Jesus was different. And she simply wanted to say thank you. But a thank you didn't seem like enough. I wonder with all that God has done for you, is a simple thank you enough? My guess is that for most of us, we know that it's not enough. So how can we say thank you to Jesus? The best answer to that question is found in Romans 12.1. You don't have to turn, I'm going to read it to you. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know, leading up to that passage in Romans chapters 3 through 11, Paul is sharing about all the wonderful mercies of God, all the great things that we talked about last week. He's reminding them that Jesus is the one who brought salvation. Jesus is the one who brought hope. He's the one who brought healing to them. And then he begins this passage with, therefore, now that you know all the good things that he's done, all that he's given to you, therefore... What he's doing is he's moving into application. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do in response to God's blessing in view of God's mercy? Because of all the good that God has shown to you, because of the salvation that you have already received, as well as the constant blessings that we receive, we ought to respond by offering ourselves, not just our words, but offering ourselves as living sacrifices to him. It's more than a simple thank you. It means that the way we live our lives ought to express our appreciation for what he has done for us. I want to get back to this woman who anointed Jesus' feet. Perhaps she thought that she would do something nice for Jesus with that ointment. The idea was, I want to do more than just say thank you, so I want to do something really nice. And she comes in with her, her jar Yet when she arrives, she becomes overwhelmed with emotion. And this is where the heart comes into play. It's also my next point. True thanksgiving comes from the heart. Giving thanks is more than something you say or do. True thanksgiving comes from a heart of gratitude and humility. You remember when when as parents we've told our kids, what do you say? Because somebody did something nice for them. And you have to prompt them to say thank you. True thanksgiving doesn't need a prompting, but rather it flows out of the heart. This lady walks in and she is immediately overcome with emotion. Tears begin to flow. And I almost imagine that the first few drops were not intended to cleanse Jesus' feet. But with her head down, she quickly realized that her tears could indeed provide a much-needed service. So she quickly drops to her knees 
In the very same place where her tears have fallen on Jesus' feet, she begins to wipe them. There's a problem. She didn't bring a towel. She didn't bring something to wipe his feet. Then she realizes that her hair is hanging down on the sides of her head. And she begins to use her own hair to wipe Jesus' feet. This appears to be nothing more than a spontaneous act of gratitude and love. In fact, she takes it a step further by even kissing his feet. In their culture, it was not uncommon to greet one another with a kiss. But it was uncommon to greet another by kissing their feet. Such an act would have signified incredible humility or some type of subservient relationship. I don't know about you, but feet are not my thing. They're disgusting, even in our culture. But it would have been even worse in theirs. A man like Jesus would have walked the streets of Jerusalem, typically wearing open-toed sandals, These were not paved sidewalks like we have today, but rather dusty roads where animals pulled people and carts. And along the way, animals tend to drop things, things that nobody wants to step in. But you know, sometimes they did. But here you have this woman not only washing the feet of Jesus, but also kissing his feet. What an incredible expression, not just thanksgiving, an expression of love. When we say thank you, it ought to be more than just something we say or do. It ought to be something that flows from our heart. Now, we don't really have the opportunity to wash or kiss the feet of Jesus, as this woman did. But we still can say thank you in a very demonstrable way. The verse I read to you earlier from Romans 12:1 reveals that we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to him. And that means that we are to give of ourselves on his behalf. That means that we are to live our daily lives in such a way that we honor the sacrifice of Jesus, that we say, thank you. It's more than just putting a few dollars in the plate on Sunday. It's more than even coming to church every Sunday. This means giving our entire lives back to him. And that's going to be my challenge to you this morning. As you go through this Thanksgiving season, this is an opportunity for you to express your appreciation for what he's done. Truth is, he's been really, really good. I know he has been to me. My guess is he has been to you. And I have much to be thankful for. Are there things that have happened that I did not appreciate? Absolutely. There are things that have happened that I did not like, and sometimes it was my fault and sometimes it wasn't. But he was always good. And I have so much to be thankful for. My guess is that you do too. So let's offer our thanks, not just by saying thank you verbally, By the way we live our lives, show him how thankful we are. If you would, bow your heads with me. Father, we come before you today.
And Lord, we simply begin with thank you. Lord, we don't want to be like the other nine who they were blessed, but they never came back to say thanks. And maybe they did come back at some other point, and it's just not noted in the scriptures. We want to be like the one who immediately recognized that you had done a great thing in his life, and he wanted to say thank you. Lord, you have done many great things in our lives, and we simply say thank you today. But we want it to be more than words. Lord, I pray that this would truly come from our hearts and that, Lord, you would help us to completely sacrifice ourselves for you. Lord, let the old die. Let us become new. Lord, I pray that everything about us would be changed. Lord, help us to live a life that says thank you to you. Father, in this next week, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. It is a great time for us to give thanks. But Lord, I pray that every week out of the year would be an opportunity for us to give thanks to you, even for the difficulty that we faced. Lord, help us to give thanks. And we'll give you praise for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all are thinking he's letting us out early again. Nope, uh, not done yet. For today's benediction, I want to share a few verses of Scripture with you that I hope will go with you throughout this week of Thanksgiving and maybe even before. I will tell you, sometimes I'll have you stand for the benediction. I'm not going to today simply because it is longer than what you would normally hear for this. This is what it says. I'm going to, actually, I'm going to give you the passages already. There's one from Colossians 2, 6, and 7. One from Isaiah 12, 4 and 5, James 1, 17, 1 Chronicles 16, 34, Hebrews 12, 28, Colossians 3, 15 and 17, and 2 Corinthians 9, 15. This is how I want to send you out today. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. And on that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call out his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, make them remember that his name is exalted, praise the Lord in song, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known throughout the earth. And every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his love, his steadfast love endures forever. And since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, 
whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanks be to, his, to God for his indescribable gift. Go out with a heart of thanksgiving and know that you have much to be thankful for today. Thank you for being with us this morning and go in peace. Thank you, Tim.